Trust God when you don't have all the answers. I know, I know that's it's one of those things that's easier said than done many times. But trusting God in a season of uncertainty is the focus of today's podcast. Welcome. This is Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. It's hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. So, Chris, uh, let's uh, glad you're joining me as we talk about uncertainty. Well, listen, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that uh, can talk about uh, trusting God when you don't have the answer. So uh, I, I understand what that's like. And I think I think that the topic and the passage that we're going to look at uh, will relate to a lot of people. So I'm glad that we're, we're having this conversation. Sure. Uh, our, we have the pleasure of having Travis Whitaker, the author of this study, with us today. Travis, good to be with you. Hey, it's good to be back. Um to have this conversation with, with everyone. And if you weren't with us for our last uh, podcast uh, a few weeks ago when Travis was with us, uh, Travis wrote this study called Walking in Confidence, and he is also the lead pastor of Mile City Church, uh, which is a church in the metro Detroit area. And remind me, Travis, uh, you've been there five years. You started this church about five years ago. Yeah, we started the church five years ago, and then since then I've just you know, with our um, Send Network to uh, multiply, to be a church planting church. And so we've been on a church planting journey. We've been able to launch um, five churches uh, in the last five years out of us. And uh, just to, uh, to multiply these independent churches around our city. Detroit uh, is a dark city that needs the light of Jesus. And so uh, we truly believe that starting new churches is going to be the best vehicle uh, to reach the city. That's great, Travis. And and I want to chase that for just a moment because this particular podcast, this session we're talking about is uh, we're going to see Abraham, how he showed confidence in a time of uncertainty. And here we are, we're hopefully coming off of COVID-19 and all this. And I'd love to just hear, there was a season of uncertainty for all of us who were pastors uh, all of us who work in churches about how do we deal with this? Yeah, you're pastoring in Detroit. You're pastoring in Michigan. I'd love to hear how did this whole COVID nineteen pandemic impact your ministry? Well, I think across you know the world and North America. I mean, there was there's a lot of similarity uh, to it. Um, but what I think it really did for our church specifically, and, and I think for many other churches, is it showed us our true colors. Of what, we, of what do we really stand for? What are we really about? Um, I've seen here in Detroit the greatest church shuffle of people in my lifetime that I've ever experienced. And it's for many reasons, right? You weren't mask enough. You weren't Trump enough, Biden enough, black enough, white enough, Mexican enough, um, vaccine enough, or, what, or whatever it is. And so that made people shuffle. Uh, you know, some people, it was finally their way out to shuffle. Uh, they, uh, they didn't know how to get out. So they finally just decided that this is the time to leave. Uh, uh, they wanted something different. Um, they had uh, shame from the things that they've gotten into this past year. That's a big deal right now. People don't want to go back to their church because of the shame that, that, that they feel. And they don't want to go back to the accountability. So they're just going to start over somewhere else. Um, you know, the, the, the saddest one for me though, is as we try to reach the lost is to think of the seeds that didn't take. Oh. And for us in the fall time here, 
um, is kind of the time where up in Michigan, it's like, if they're not back now, they're never coming back. Wow. And for me as a pastor, this is the time where I'm really mourning because no matter how hard we've chased them and have pursued them and their children, they're gone. And that's heartbreaking. Mm. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I, I hadn't looked at it from that perspective. We knew that there was going because of the season of uncertainty, that there would be a lot of change and the big question marks, not just for you, but for all churches is what's it going to be like when, uh, when we, whatever that new normal is. Um, and I appreciate your talking about from your heart, from your pastor's heart of that, that sense of, of mourning and loss of people that, um, that didn't connect or didn't make it through or that, um, um, have have chosen other directions. Mm-hmm. It is really heartbreaking. The the, the other thing I, I was going to say that I, I feel like we've seen too is it's like you know programming versus people. Right when it all shut down, I put on the board seventy thirty, and I told my staff, "Hey, seventy percent of a lot of your jobs is dealing with the programming to help people, and thirty percent is actual people." So now we're flipping it on our heads, and so we're seventy all people we're calling everyone we're going to get as many doors as possible and the programming was very limited we're not going to try to be the best online church in the world we're going to just love people as best as we can huh shocking isn't that what we're (laughs) supposed to do anyways so um but now we're coming back and it's like okay it's the temptation to go back 70 30 program 70 30 people is there and i'm not saying it's going to stay 73 the other way, but it's like, okay, well, how can we actually make it 50, 50, you know, how, how do we not get so lopsided into the programming and make it more about people? I know you need programs to reach people. I'm not saying programs are bad. I'm just saying that there can be so much of an emphasis on it that we can become numb to what we're actually supposed to be doing in the first place. The premium is people just keeping people first and meeting people's needs. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting, uh, fascinating how churches are making discoveries, uh, some maybe new discoveries of how we do ministry like this and, and maybe get our focus back where uh, really where it needs to be. Uh, this has certainly been some uh, interesting times as we try to navigate all that. So let's kind of jump off of that and get into our passage in Genesis as we look at the life of Abraham. Uh, and again, this idea of learning to trust God, even when the way is not clear. And we're going to see this in Genesis 15 in the life of Abraham. Uh, this is verse one. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your reward will be very great. But, but Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Look, you have given me no offspring and not a, no, uh, now a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. And at that point, God took him outside and said, look at the sky. And count the stars. And if you're able to count them, your offspring will be that numerous. So I find it fascinating. It obviously this has weighed on Abram's mind. Okay, I'm supposed to start a new great nation and I don't have any children. So God shows back up. 
I don't know that we know how long it's been from the call of Abraham to this point in Abram's life. I don't know that that's clear for us. At least 10 to 12 years, it appears, uh, because I think at 86, uh, we'll, we'll talk next week about some of the story that, uh, that comes from that perspective. So there's, there's been some period of time. And Abram, he's always been thinking about that. So when God says the same thing that he did to him before, uh, so how's, how's this going to work? And so is this your plan? And God says, no, it's not my plan at all. I'm, I'm going to bless through you. And then he says, go out and count the stars in the sky if you can. That's what it'll be for you. It's just an incredible story. Travis, you made a comment here in the, in the material. Uh, let me just read what you said here uncertainty, which is what Abraham is dealing with, and we all deal with it. Uncertainty can have the power to manipulate us, has the power to tempt us to take matters into our own hands. Wow. Instead of trusting in the hand of God. That really caught my attention. Um, and then we're going to see this next week uh, as, we, as we look at the life of Abraham, how he, there was, although he trusted God, there was a sense of, well, God, am I supposed to do this? And how he failed. Uh, but boy, uncertainty sure has a way of kind of working on us. Okay, God, what do you really want me to do? It's uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, how many times do we do we do this? Right? Do we if it doesn't happen yet, or we're not patient yet, and then it's not working the way that we want yet, and then we do we hands. I had a pastor friend tell me, you know, it's like we're we're an open book, and I was like, can I quote you on this? And he's like, I don't even know what I said, but he said. You know, um, he said, when you start editing it, he'll stop writing it. <laughs> wow. That confidence in his way and his plan um, is in the midst of uncertainty. It's like it, it, it truly is leaning into Christ and the power of Christ as our line of defense. I mean, it truly is for the mind. The only thing that I've seen work in my, in, in my life is when we lean into Christ as that defense to, because if not, then your, 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 your confidence just continually just gets attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked. Just in our, our, the few conversations that we've had, Travis, it, it appears that when you, when you've made the decision uh, to respond to God's leading for you to plant a church, um, I don't get the sense that you had, a model in place or exactly how you were going to do this? Was there a great deal of uncertainty about what it would look like to plant a church in the Detroit area? Yeah. I mean, complete uncertainty. And it was, you know, it was just literal, you know, step by step. And you were just like, God, like I stopped praying the prayer of we need you to show up. It's, no, you're already here. We need you to just keep showing off. <laughs> and, and it's funny because it's like, he gets you right up to the line, just like with Abraham, he gets you just right up to the line of the frustration that we get and the wrestling that we start to have with God because we're frustrated. We don't understand or mad sometimes. Right. And, but in the midst of the wrestling, which I think God wants us to wrestle with them, um, it really does. It builds that confidence and then boom, he shows off. And says, look up in the sky. Um, I'm going to blow you away with what I'm going to do. That's cool. That's cool. So it's really an interesting 
experience to have to walk by faith and trust Jesus, trust God to show us what he wants us to do, <laughs> which is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So it's so fun uh, to hear you talk about this is this is what we've had to do. This is what church means for us. Uh, it's listening and doing what he says. Uh, so one of the questions that we ask, and we're, we're a study that's based on uh, having discussion questions that create some conversation. Uh, one of the questions that we asked related to uncertainty is how do you determine the difference between worrying and legitimate concern? So here's Abram. God told me this and I followed him. And so how, how am I going to become a great nation? Obviously he's been thinking about it. So what's the difference in our lives? And, and this would be good for you as group leaders to understand that the, these are the kind of where the rubber meets the road kind of opportunities that you have to get people to talk about. So what's the difference between worry and legitimate concern? Good question. That's worth talking about. And with that, we, we're about to hit, to me, the pivotal verse in Abraham's life. Uh, as we look at verse six here. But what I love about this verse is when you think about what just happened precedingly, uh, Abraham kind of threw out, hey, here's an idea. This guy's going to be the heir. He's going to take it all. And, I, you know, it's like, God, I, I could use some more details here. Uh, and all God tells him is, hey, look, look at the, look at the stars. You know, you're gonna, your, your family is going to be that numerous. God never gave him the details he probably wanted uh, as far as, okay, now, Abram, here's what's going to happen. When you turn 100, this is what's going to happen. And then this, he, he never gave the details about the birth of Isaac. He just said, look, I, what you see up there, that's going to be your family. And that gets us now to verse six, this pivotal verse where it says, Abram believed the Lord. That's all he heard was from God was that it says Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. That's a key verse. So it is in, in the story of Abraham, it is, I mean, he, he believed God, he trusted him that what he said and what he's, what he said to him by saying, look at the stars in the skies. This is, this is how it's going to be for you. He, he really believed that. So I think there are times in our lives as followers of Jesus that we sometimes uh, struggle with that dynamic of, can we really trust God to do what he said he would do? And um, I'm, Travis, I'm sure you've had some of those kind of experiences in your life and uh, as a church planter. Yeah. I, when you think about the details of always wanting, you know, he never, <laughs> I, you never get all the details that you want. Right. And sure. But as I've learned on the journey, you know, it, as we talk about building confidence, you know, we, we've probably heard it said, or maybe y'all have heard it said that if he gave us all the details, then we wouldn't be able to handle it anyways. Or it, would, or it would freak us out too much if we knew all the details. And so he gives us just the amount that we need to keep going. And we trust in that and we lean into that, knowing that, you know, he's not going to leave you hanging. It might feel like he's leaving you hanging, but he's really not. And so, as I, you know, I, I, I say this phrase all, all the time, like really trusting that he does have the whole thing rigged and that he cares a whole lot more about the situation um, that you're going through than you will ever care about it. 
So let's talk about the phrase, God credited to him as righteousness. Who wants to jump on that? Well, we certainly know it's a key, uh, it's a key doctrine. Uh, we see this, of course, exhibited in, in Abraham's life here, uh, but we see this recurring uh, in the New Testament. Uh, even uh, Paul said it in uh, Romans 4, uh, and he referred to this. Now, it was credited to him. Uh, it was not written for Abraham alone, but it was also for us to be credited us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I'm always I'm always drawn to at this section, and then even in the famous verse of John, you know, three sixteen, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, and I always highlight believes, and I sometimes will trick my church, and I'll just put behaves in there, whoever behaves in Him, and then make sure everyone's paying attention, um, but. But the problem is, is we know that that's that's what the world believes, that as soon as we're good enough, as soon as we do this or do that, that that's going to get us in. And we are constantly fighting against that evil uh, scheme that the devil has put into our society, that behavior is your savior. And I say in the study, it's not. It's not behavior that's your savior. Your savior will lead your behavior, but it can't be your savior. But so many people, um, especially in Michigan, and I'm, I'm sure wherever you're listening, um, they feel like their behavior is going to get them in and they're leaning into it. And we've got to fight in, with all we have to get people out of that mindset that that's not good enough. It's so their that's faith, their belief alone. Yeah, that's people in the church and that's people who are who are searching that have those kind of questions. They all need to hear that um, and be reminded that it's it's simply believing what God said and trusting him. And when we do that, when we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he counts it for us as an accounting term. Uh, He credits it to us as as righteousness, as being in right relationship with him. So this Romans passage where Paul quotes uh, Abraham's experience in Genesis uh, 15, 6. I also see it in Galatians 3. Um, was instrumental in the in the Reformation. This is this is what rung Martin Luther's bell when he's struggling with the whole uh, faith and works aspect of being a part of the church. It, it rocked his world and rocked the church forever this coming to an understanding of of faith and belief is what matters not what you do so i mean it's still the thing that rocks our world it's still the the bell that we need to ring and we need to never lose sight of how important it is uh, to talk about these truths when you look at this whole section of scripture together god didn't give him all the details before he believed and even after it says Abram believed and it was credited him to, as righteousness, God didn't turn around and give him all the details after that. Now, he told him a little bit more we're going to see here, but there's a sense of, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I believe you. And I don't, it's a, even this sense, I don't have to know the details because I know God. One of the discussion questions that we have uh, is, when have you trusted God even when you didn't know how things would turn out? Uh, so that may be a way to talk about that so that to, for people to talk about their own life experience. Travis? 
I was just going to say, you know, as, as you're listening and as you talk about leaders who are leading people in, in these groups is, um, you know, I feel like so many people just can't get over the hump of just belief. And because, and I, I'll never forget uh, an atheist friend who finally gave his life to Jesus. And in his baptism video, he said, you don't have to under, he, he realized you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. Wow. You don't have to understand everything to believe in something. And when he finally got that, because I feel like we have to, I think there's this pressure in our people and in people that are searching and exploring faith that they've got to figure it all out first. And I'm still trying to figure it out, you know, but, but if you can get to the point to understand that, wow, God truly gave his son and he truly died, but he didn't stay dead and he rose from the dead. And if you can, even if you don't understand it all, but if you can trust in that truth, then all your other answers all your other questions and concerns will begin to answer themselves, but you got to have that starting point. You got to have that starting ground uh, in believing and trusting in that. You sound like a guy that's had a lot of conversations with people like that. <laughs> yeah, LifeWay Research, and I'm not going to get the details right. I, I remember reading this uh, very recently, a survey they did uh, where with evangelical uh, Christians, churchgoers, I should put it that way, who said, yes, um, you need to believe in Jesus. But how many, what percentage of that also said, they still said there's something they need to do. Believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, but they have that little thing that uh, whatever it is, they feel like they need to add on. Uh, and, and Travis, you just talked, uh, you, you just kind of helped us dissipate that. It's nothing to do with behaving. It all has to do with believing. And I think in our human nature, that's hard to overcome. It is. And, and it's the confusion, not to use the big theological words, but it's like it's the confusion of the justification and the sanctification process. And so what happens is, is there's you, you believe and you're justified. And then there's this guilt of maybe not being sanctified at the rate that you know you should be. And then the enemy likes to confuse people in their minds that, you know, that they're, they've been taken off the path of sanctification or whatever it might be to be set apart to, to continue to, to move towards God and look like him. And I think the enemy likes to kill our confidence in the belief alone is enough. And so he'll attack that. He'll attack that. And only, you know, only an individual knows if you are truly, if you truly trust in the first place, um, but the enemy is going to attack you all the time to make you think that you didn't really get this. You didn't really believe and you got to work that out, but have confidence that if you truly trusted, if you truly believed um, that it is secure. You come to that third section in our study, which is verses 13 through 16, where God gives a little detail to Abram, but not a lot. It's just a sense of, we still see that God, Abram is going to trust God to work in God's time. Lord said to Abraham, know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them. It will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and afterwards they will go out with many possessions. 
But Abram, and he says, but you, you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. Again, he didn't give them all the details, but he just told them a little bit more that uh, I think just solidified his trust. God, I'm going to trust you to work in your way and in your time. I, in that section there, I wrote, it's funny because I, I forgot that I wrote this, <laughs> but this line, um, we will either lift up a fist of anger or lift up a hand of adoration when the plan doesn't work out the way that we want. And I recently had a lady in our city group pass from a five-year journey of cancer. Mm. And it was the first time for me, I've done a lot of funerals. Um, but this is the first time I was really wrestling and I was mad and I was frustrated with God's plan because I believed and we begged and believed that he was going to heal her. And, you know, I know the right answer is like, okay, he's in control, but I just felt like, you know, your miracle would have really radically done something in our community. So I'm having a hard time seeing this. Uh, but he reminded me. Uh, I guess what I wrote earlier, but I forgot that I wrote, um, um, late one night after she passed that we have a choice to lift up a fist of anger or lift up a hand of adoration. And she had every right to lift up a fist, but she never did. Mm. And she always lifted that hand of adoration. And because of that, it has been echoing all around our community of what was it about her that she had so much confidence that she had such a peace about her and a trust and an unwavering faith about her. And then at her funeral, we share the hope of Jesus of, of the miracle that, that, so there's miracles that don't happen, right. That don't make sense. Right. And we don't understand, but there's also many miracles that do happen that don't make any sense. And the fact that Jesus would die for us, for us, doesn't make any sense, but he did it anyways. And so we praise him for it. And, um, and that builds our confidence over and over and over again. There's some great, this is, this session has so many great questions to get people to have a conversation about. And one of those questions is why is it so hard to wait on God's timing? And that kind of goes, uh, aligns with what uh, the story that Travis just said, told us about. Um, it's a great conversation. It's a great question to cause people to ponder and think about some things that they may don't, may not always talk about out loud um, in their in their walk with God. So take advantage of these discussion questions as a way to get people to make the connection with the scripture and with the character of Abraham in this passage. So, Chris, I, I, let me just run off of that to uh, teachers. Uh, as Chris said, there's some great questions here. Please don't do all the talking in your group. Uh, there is a tendency for us as teachers, and I'll admit it's easier to just lecture but help them unpack the study, but take advantage of those questions. And when someone answers the question, don't just move on. Let it be a discussion. Let others respond to that. Um, we don't have to be the experts. I think oftentimes the, the people in your group, they can kind of help disciple each other. 
uh, there's a there's a, a statement David Francis, who kind of used to be uh, our, kind of our Bible study gurus at Lifeway, uh, he had a great statement. He always said he said no one's story is complete until that's until that is until it is intersected with his story. Talking about Jesus's story, no one's story is complete and until it is intersected with God's story, and that happens best in a community being enriched by the stories of others. In other words, so as we're having a conversation, someone in your group, uh, if you allow them to just dis- to run with this discussion question, they're going to say something about how faith, how they dealt with uncertainty. That's going to trigger for someone else to encourage them and to see how their walk will benefit from that. And they just, we kind of learn from each other. So take advantage of those questions and let them just dive into them. So there can be those conversations where people will talk about it. I was in a time of uncertainty. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to trust God. And there'll be other people who, who will say, this is my experience. I trusted God to do this and this is what happened. So it, it is a great opportunity for, for folks to talk about their own lives. Travis, thank you so much for writing for us and for taking the time to be a part of this podcast. We deeply appreciate it. Uh, it was so awesome. And again, thanks for the opportunity. We appreciate y'all joining us for this podcast as we've talked about walking in confidence, even when the road is not always clear in front of you. Uh, I hope you'll just subscribe to this podcast and join us each week as we jump in. And we've got just a few more weeks together as we look at Abraham and learning to walk in confidence. I hope you have a great study this week. <music>